Well, uh, okay, so I, I want to invite Gil and Adina. Last week we got a chance to, to hear from uh, uh, Nolan and Leticia. Gil and uh, Adina are another uh, often visible <laughs> feature around here. We've had some wonderful times together. They've recently moved out here from Sacramento, California, and they're going to be doing a, a couple of road trips coming up soon, so I wanted to squeeze in a time for you to hear from them and, and to have you guys just share why you're here and what your hopes are and, and a little bit about what your experience has been so far. And Gil, you can talk too if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> we are just absolutely so thrilled to be here. Um, and it was really Yahweh's design. This was not on our plan in any way, shape, or form to be here in Colorado Springs. We had actually just um, made our seventh move in the Sacramento region. We'd been there for 20 years, and we were feeling like, oh, the seventh move, full circle. <laughs> we're ready to be planted in the land, and so we were just coming before the Lord, um, just both personally and as a ministry, feeling like, you know, we've moved from place to place, and, and we're ready to you know, get established in the land. And so in a, in a two leadership meetings back to back, you know, we're just before the Lord. Where is it? Where are we to be planted in land? And we're thinking, you know, Sacramento, California, you know, is it East Sacramento, West Sacramento, you know, that type of thing. And, um, both times I get this vision and there's these trees and a building and father says, it's not where you think. And it's like, oh, come on, that's not very helpful, you yeah. know, just, <laughs> but, you know, we're still like, okay, well, what, what does that mean? You know, is it further north? Is it further south? Is it, you know, and so we're just, you know, when father says something like that, you just hold it loosely and go, okay, well, you know, what's, what's next? So we happened to be in Colorado Springs back in August, um, with, for a conference with Nancy Cohen and Chris Carter. And we came a few days to spend some time with Nancy, and she put us up at this beautiful uh, log cabin on a lake up in Divide. And when I came out of the house the next morning and looked across the lake, there were the trees from my vision. And it was like, Father was just kind of like, you're home. And it took us a while because we were like, no, you got to be kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> Our, our kids, uh, two of our kids are in Austin, Texas, and it's like, if we were moving anywhere, we would, you know, be moving there with family. And so um, I'll let Gil share kind of our encounter with you and... and well, I'm still trying to get used to the cold weather. Mm. You see oh. me wearing my jacket yeah. back there <laughs> in the in the studio, but, uh, you know, there, there were several things that were just, uh, you know, you know, one thing after another that God just kept showing to us. The last time we'd come through Colorado Springs uh, at the elevation, I slept all through the night, all the next day. Adina had to drive, and all the next night, because of the altitude, I just could not stay awake. And so when we were coming out here for the conference, I'm thinking, this may not go so well. And then when they said they were going to put us in a in a cabin, we were going to be staying at 9,500 feet, I'm like, this may really go bad. But uh, the amazing thing is, we got here, I did not have any issues at all. In fact, I climbed those stairs. What are they called? The, oh, the, the incline? incline? I climbed those, and, and uh, it was great. So that was it's something in and of itself. And then, you know, he 
uh, let's see, Nancy introduced us to you and your wife, mm-hmm. and I, I think there was something that just clicked right away. Yeah, we fun. we had a very similar journey in just where we've been and and how we got to where we're at, and same even years, yeah. some same Some number of years, years in, yeah. in ministry and then in business and then back in ministry. So anyway, it's just been, uh, like again, one thing after another that there has been favor. We were a little jealous because uh, Tracy and Darlene are, are good friends, becoming good friends. Uh, that's a whole other story, which was phenomenal and is even part of the journey, that uh, they were at the same conference. We had never met them before. And I'll probably let you guys tell your own story at some point when Tracy's doing better. Hope he's watching from home. Where's he at? Anyway, um, but you know, we get an email from them and they're they're asking us some questions uh, about our ministry. And, and anyway, long story short, we end up connecting with them and they moved out here before we did. And they were enjoying the favor of the land before we even got here. And so I was a little bit jealous about that. But we're here now. And the amazing thing as we move forward is just knowing that we've come out of a church age. We're coming out of the church age. We're in the church age. I'm, you know, one of them that as a pastor of a conservative church, I thought we had all the truth and that eventually everybody was going to come to us. And so it created all these silos. So all these churches could be in one city, in one area, but they're all working alone and even against one another. But as we step into this next stage, believing thoroughly that the Father's eliminating those walls and that we are meant to work together, we're meant to collaborate, and we're going to see how far we can we can take this. And and as I've said before, we actually did an interview um, last week or the week before, and we talked about how... It's because of the hearts that we know that we can work together. You know, we don't know each other that well. We haven't had a chance. We haven't to even sit down and talk. <laughs> we haven't. We, we, we talked more during that first dinner that Nancy and Bob took us to than we've actually had just to shoot the breeze since here because we've been going as far so. Exactly. Yeah. But it's the heart, and the, the thing is, the, it, the frequency. Just the frequency. When you're in a room full of people or you meet somebody who's on that same frequency, you just know and you know the heart. And so we're excited about what Father's going to be bringing. We're holding everything loosely. My tendency, type A personality, if I'm not careful, I see what I think the Father's wanting to do and I want to just grab onto it and go. And oftentimes it's not in the right time and it's not in the right way. So I have to keep letting go and keep letting go. But Father has a plan and he's brought us here for a purpose. And we're pretty excited about what God's going to do. Yeah. And just along that line of, you know, when Father looks down here at Colorado Springs, he sees one body. And again, we've been used to that fragmented, you know, we're over here, you're over there. But how do we come together in love and unity? What does it look like to honor one another's unique gifts and calling and yet be one body? And and that's what we're really exploring. And that's what we're going to be looking at this Sunday morning at 1030. Welcome to join us is what does it look like to walk this out? Um, Walking this out with you guys, but walking it out in this community because each group has a different calling to, to reach this community and how, how, you know, part of our mandate is connecting, is bringing together. And so the last thing we want to do is like, well, that's, you're here and you're here. We want to bring together and see what Father is going to do. And it's an adventure. We don't know what it's going to look like. 
one of the things the Father has been saying to me very, very recently is just make sure you stay in your lane. Because as we come together, we need to make sure that we're, you know, working in our lane. Because if we're trying to take somebody else's lane, then, you know, we're just bumping into each other. We're not going to get anywhere. But that we bring to the table what each of us have. Now, some of us may be in very similar lanes, and that's great. That means you've got some, uh, you know, uh, deeper collaboration. But the biggest thing that it will take, uh, how many of you have seen Kingdom Talks? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. So you know that we're about the conversation. We really want to keep the conversations open and we want to be able to have conversations even about the tough things. Because I guarantee you, if you begin to work together, as we're working together, if we don't have the conversations, there's going to be those little things that, you know, the, that the enemy, he'll throw the little darts to just to get something under your skin. And if you don't have conversations about it and talk about it, then that'll fester and it becomes a problem. But if we continue to have conversations and just keep things open, then we will be able to make, you know, some great headway in what Father wants to do. And I believe that He's going to bring some things, and I don't even know what those are. Just the word that I keep hearing from, from people in this area even, is that some things are ready to be brought to a completion. And again, it may be the ending of one age in order to bring forth the next age. All right. Well, Larry, thank you. Okay. Thank you, guys. And, and so just a little bit of uh, detail for those that don't know. These guys have a, kind of a dual track ministry. There's probably a lot of other stuff going on. Kingdom Talks uh, are uh, in interviews and such things like that. How would they, how would they, um, how would they log into those or what do they do? Oh. All right. So kingdomtalksmedia.com. If you go to that website, it will have some links there for you. But that is also our YouTube channel, KingdomTalksMedia.com. And then we also have Kingdom Equipping Center, which is our community expression. That's one of the things we didn't talk about. But we are all about community in the sense that there's a lot of new stuff that's coming up, okay? And maybe it's not new. It's ancient stuff that we're just renewing. But as we bring these things out, there's a lot of practice that needs to take place. Because if somebody's teaching something and it's way off in, you know, ever, ever land, wherever that's at, but we're not actually able to practice it and put it into, you know, you know, take those principles and, and bring it to reality, then we don't know if it's real. We don't know if it works. So we believe that the community is absolutely vital in order to bring some of those concepts together and walk them out. Okay, cool. And so then uh, the Kingdom Equipping Center is that community expression, and they've had a couple of them here uh, Sunday at 1030. 1030 to 12. You guys would be welcome to come and enjoy that. Uh, it's a little bit different than what we do. Um, it's one of those lanes that's pretty close, though, and so there's, it's not too hard to, to uh, reach out and roll the other guy's window down or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate these guys, and they, they are going to be going on the road with Kingdom Equipping Center and a few other things uh, in two weeks. Is that what it is? You're leaving yeah. two weeks? So we are trying like crazy to carve out some time just to go get a burger or something and sit down and talk. Cause literally it's, it's been about, we've, we've acquired a little bit more space here so that, that, uh, they can have some space to operate in. Um, they have a, a, a huge investment in their learning curve on, on video and studio. And so the loft area that we've preserved is being built into a studio that we're going to be able to share and, uh, there's just all kinds of neat stuff going on. So these are great guys. I hope you get to know them and uh, appreciate it. And then Darlene is uh, uh, her husband's Tracy, 
And uh, they were so connected when we came here. I thought they knew each other their whole life. And come to find out, they just met like four weeks ago, and the Lord spoke to you guys the same way. So we'll get that story out here when the time comes. All right. Well, I want to I want to move forward today and talk about something. How are we doing? Yeah, I can do that. So I have a whole lot of slides, but I think it's a short presentation. But it never has been before when I had a lot of slides. So I encourage you, if you need to go to the restroom or, or run out and get some meal or something like that, no, never mind. It'll be short. I promise. All right. What is unity? That's what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, so here, what is unity? Okay. Different meaning, different source. A different meaning, a different source. Unity is, is a, a, a big, big biblical topic. So if I was to say, so, Give me a, a, a biblical statement about unity. Who who would have a, a scripture come to mind? Somebody about Psalm unity. What is it? Psalm one thirty three. Can you quote the first verse, sorta? Of? Behold how good and pleasant it is, beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's right. That is one of the places. Something that I've learned, and, and folks have been at Joyland <clears throat> realize that things are not always as you expect them to be about a biblical topic when you look at it. So, for instance, we did a study on sovereignty not a long time ago. And, you know, sovereignty is a huge deal. It's the sort of like cornerstone basis for a lot of different theologies and all this kind of stuff. causes a lot of confusion about the nature of God. Uh, you know, some little three-year-old gets run over in a parking lot, and that's the sovereign will of God, or uh, disasters come in places. So it causes you to raise some questions. I remember looking when, when I was studying about uh, sovereignty, I went through a computer concordance, and I found, I think, 11 total verses in the New American Standard that had either sovereign, sovereignty, or something like that. And then I looked in the King James, it had zero, and I looked in the New American Standard, and it had 327. And I'm going, wow. Wow. Yeah, the NIV. Oh, yeah, NIV, NIV, right. And uh, uh, also the New Living was the other one. Anyhow, what we discovered after that was that there were there were choices made, theological choices made, to express different words in the concept of sovereignty and apply it in various places and so on and so forth. But the, the reality is uh, there are very, very few words in, in the Scripture that speak of sovereignty. And what I learned from that is when I encounter, when I'm studying a topic, especially one that's really like sort of church-wide, history-wide, concept-wide like unity, right? And that is generally the scripture that everybody thinks about. When I realize that that something so big has very few references in the scripture, it 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 used to, I didn't know how to respond to it before, and sovereignty was the one that really caught me off guard. But now I understand that if something has very few references in the Scripture, you have to be very intentional and deliberate and careful about how you think about that term. Because, and, and let me use something to illustrate the opposite. Okay, love. There's tons of stuff about love. And so you've got a 100 different places, 200, 300 different places to go to, to learn about love. And to be corrected. So you can think one thing about love and then there'll be like 50 other verses that'll add something to that or nudge you in another direction. Da da da. But 
It has fewer passages than you think. I don't know what you'd guess, and I'm not going to ask you to guess because I've already told you it has fewer passages, so you'd guess low and it wouldn't be that dramatic. But it has fewer passages, and it has a simpler meaning than you might guess. And it's probably not the meaning that we assign to it too much, and it suffers from one big misunderstanding. Okay? So we're going to talk about unity tonight. We're going to look at all the scriptures about unity, best as I can understand. So where do we read about unity? Here they are. So you got five places that speak about unity. The first one, of course, is the one, Jen, that you quoted. If I take away the ones that don't really have words that speak about unity, we only have two. All right, let me go back and show you what I did. Oops, wrong way. So these five passages, if you do a search for unity in a concordance, like for New Magna Standard or whatever, this is the five that will come up. Psalms 133, Ephesians 4.13, Ephesians 4.3, Colossians 3.14, and the Gospel of John in Jesus' Prayer in John 17.23. If you look into the language, oops, wrong way, if you look into the language, these don't actually use words that are properly translated unity. So now you're down to just a couple. Hmm? Yeah, they say one. That's actually what they do say. The more fundamental basis of those words is that way. So the reason I want to go through these, and so here's the first one. This is in Psalms 133. The New American Standard says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, this is also another thing where you guys at. So we had this most amazing discussion Tuesday night. We were digging into a really complicated topic about, about uh, what role the Holy Spirit plays in us being intentional and aware of our uh, the presence of the Lord in us when we're living our life. Okay, And I, I'm going to take a minute, and less than a minute, and make an advertisement for Tuesday. If you, if you want to have a really good discussion Bible study, you should come on Tuesday night, or you should log in. You can log in. The, the Zoom number is 33777-33377. It's the same one that you log into to watch church here. But um, I've not been in very many groups that have such a free flow of questions and answers, and it's super responsive. So it's here at 630 or online at 630. And, uh, and so this led to me including another Bible version, kind of checking it out. Holly said, you know, I've, I've looked at the uh, complete Jewish Bible and time after time when somebody says, this is what it really says in the original language, they come up pretty close to it. So I thought I'd keep it up here and test it. Uh, over here, uh, we have the uh, 1960 revised Valera in Spanish, and I want to show you something pretty interesting. Look at this. So that says unity, but this says harmony. You don't even have to speak Spanish to know that that word means harmonia. Harmonia. It's harmony, right? All right. Well, here's what. Here's what's. What's the deal here? Uh, in Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew expert by any stretch of the imagination, but the two words that are used for this expression right here, or that, is gam yahad. And gam means moreover, or it's an emphatic and inclusive. 
kind of word. It connects something. And then it means, the yahad means with all or as a unit or together. So some examples are it's translated like when the Israeli army gathered together. Or it's also translated that way when some other people like the Armenians or whatever, Armenians were attacked by Israel and scattered, then they had to regather. So it means together. And, and so I'm not like picking on people that say unity, because that's sort of a word for that. But that's not really what it means. What it really means is harmony. Now, what's the difference or what's the mistake we can make in thinking about unity if we think about it u- using only the word unity as opposed to the ha- word harmony? Yes, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Uniformity, sameness, everybody's alike. So then the goal of being called into unity, when it says, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, if you take that to some fundamental religion, Christianity or otherwise, this concept, then we're all supposed to cut our hair the same, we're supposed to dress the same, we're supposed to look the same. Harmony is not like that. Harmony isn't even harmony unless the notes are different. Right? Harmony isn't even harmony unless the notes are different. So this is the beautiful thing. Now, I personally think harmony is a direct release into creation because of the beauty of the Trinity. You have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're one, but the Father's not the Son. He's The, the Son and the Father are identical in essence and nature, but not in being Son or in being Father. The Father is 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 not the Son and not the Spirit. But they're one in every other way. The Son is not the Father and not the Spirit. They're one in every other way. And so there is a harmony at the, at the essential nature of our God that doesn't exist if our God is a solo God sitting out there in space someplace, a one, a one thing. So communication is a harmony thing, right? I make multiple sounds. You make multiple sounds back. If we only made one sound back, it would sound like this. Ah, ah, ah. And we would never get anywhere. <laughs> Harmony is necessary. See what I'm saying? And so we go, man, it's so perfect for brothers to dwell together in unity. And then we start thinking sameness, and we start looking for people that look like us and think like us and smell like us, and we we hang out with them. But the reality is we're not designed that way. And let me take it to the New, New Testament concept. Paul goes to great length to talk about the fact that we are different members of a body. Then he gets specific. The hand cannot say to the eye, the ear cannot say to the foot, and without all those different parts, we're not a body. So we're not a uniformity. We're not that kind of thing. You see why I'm saying? And so if the word means harmony, let's think of it as harmony. Let's explore it as harmony. Because otherwise, we're going to have a conference and only people that think like us are going to come. This is what I appreciated so about what you said, and what even more so I know what's in your heart. Um, we're not going to put up with conversations where people are tearing other people apart, but we need to be able to welcome other people. My, my little uh, biblical take on that is Paul says at the end of the love chapter, now how much more significant a positioning in the New Testament could it be? At the end of the love chapter, he says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now, it makes sense to me that we know in part because I'm finite and God's infinite, so I can't know everything about him. There's things that are true about God that are reference points all over the place that I can't know because I'm not big enough. Now, they can still influence me, and that's why there's weird, mysterious things sometimes that I don't understand and can't explain. But 
How do you think about that? And this is what I always talk to my pastor friends about. I go, how, how comfortable are you with the part you don't know? What do you do with the part you don't know? You have the option of saying, well, if I don't know it, it must not be important. But you've got to have a monstrous ego to think like that. <laughs> I think the reason that we know in part is because it makes room for us to be in harmony. People that, that know what we don't know begin to resonate with us as we walk together, as we walk in those lines. Anyway, so I thought that was pretty cool. And sure enough, the uh, complete Jewish Bible nailed it pretty good. All right, here's the Colossians passage. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That is the New American. Uh, now, let's go over here to the Spanish version. Again, I don't think you have to speak Spanish fluently to realize that this word perfecto does not mean unity. It means perfection, right? It means perfect. All right, well, down here we see it translated in the, in the complete Jewish Bible as perfectly, or in other words, above all these, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together perfectly. Now, here's what the deal is. Unity, again, is a catch-all sort of theological term that does not convey the nuance. I'm not saying it's technically wrong, but this is talking perfectly. Uh, here's the an, an Ephesians passage. Well, let me back up. I want to make one more point on this one. Love doesn't, it doesn't say here that love binds everything together in unity. Because that's a byproduct. That's like a product. That's like you take a survey or something. And yet we're all together. It says love binds everything together perfectly. It fits together perfectly. There's just something better about the word as it's translated. Okay, I mean, as it should be translated. Okay, uh, the Ephesians 4.13 one. And he gave some as apostles... And some as prophets, and this one is a, a unity word. And I got the where are we at here? Four thirteen. So this is henotes, and that one does mean of one or unity, uh, together. You know, together as one. And and uh, this and there's two instances here in Ephesians that use that same word uh, or a, a, a lexical derivative. The unity of the faith. So, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Now, this word unity makes sense here because it is modified. It's the unity of something. It's not some amorphous term, unity, that has no meaning. Or, worse yet, it has a meaning we attach to it. And so if, if, if I have that, if I have the idea that I'm the standard of unity, or our denomination is the standard of unity, or my area of expertise, or my religion, and you see that in Jesus' time with the Pharisees and stuff, they had it nailed. There wasn't a lot of openings for other ideas. And so, but this is different. This is unity, and then this is a genitive phrase here, it means like faith's unity until we all attain to faith's unity, the unity that belongs to faith. Okay? And um, you can see it down here. Here's the way it's put in the, the uh, complete Jewish Bible. The unity implied by trusting. It's cool. So the unity is actually associated 
with the faith. It flows from the faith. It's not a byproduct in that sense or where it stands alone, independent of the faith. Let's go to the other Ephesians passage. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, being diligent to preserve the unity. And again, now unity is explained. It's connected to something. It's not a random religious goal. It is the unity of the Spirit. So, what do we learn by that one? This one comes pretty good. Preserve the unity the Spirit gives. What do I want to learn about, about unity in the two verses that really say unity? I want to learn that unity is from something. It is not the byproduct of us getting together to have a conference. It's not the byproduct of us laying down a list of denominational guidelines and then having people sign off so that they can all walk and look alike. Unity already exists independent of your participation in it, or you can't go into it. Because just us getting together and agreeing on a dozen things does not make unity. That's something else. That's Uniformity is really what it, it boils down to in one degree or another. So this, so unity is of the Spirit, and in the previous verse, we see that it is of faith. Well, faith is a gift of God. In the life we live, Paul says, now we live by the faith of the Son of God, Jesus' own faith. So this unity that Paul is talking about is a unity that exists by virtue not of us coming together. It exists by the finished work of Jesus Christ, having reconciled all to himself, having brought all men uh, across that barrier, having broken down the dividing wall. So when we think of unity like this, it leaves us with another responsibility. It leaves us with another opportunity, and that is to begin to recognize that unity when we look in the eyes of other people. And that's the beautiful thing, I think, about what God's given us the privilege to enjoy here in January, is we have disparate people, different groups, different different languages in a couple of places, different everything. But this is what... The unity is not the sameness of what we carry. The unity is the person who dwells in us and in whom we dwell. And so then John 14, 20 becomes enormous. I'm in my Father. You're in me, I'm in you. And we can just keep going and going and going. So when we're reaching out to people like this, uh, we have a chance to look and and come into. So this is why it requires with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. That's the diligence that preserves the unity of the Spirit that already exists. Now, sometimes the unity of the Spirit is hard to see because we've shattered it, trying to press for conformity and control. We don't see the unity. You never, almost never, you almost never hear religious organizations, leaders of religious organizations, talking a lot about about celebrating the difference of other people, the different beliefs, the different. Sometimes you'll, you'll you'll see it with, well, you know, we need some other people with other talent. But man, it's like walking on eggshells. If somebody's going to be different, really different, really different, you know, then I don't know. Do you really belong here? Well, 
Do you say that to your leg? <laughs> or to your bowels? Uh, I don't like you, bowels. You're ugly and smelly, I think, and I don't think you belong here. That's ridiculous. There's signs all around us of what the true nature of unity is. Unity is the men and women throughout the ages that have been pulled into Christ. When he said there in John 12, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them into myself. So we've got to start, first of all, it does require humility, and it should require gentleness. That's what you're talking about, Gil. Just, hey, let's talk a little bit and, and, and try not to punch one another, you know? And if we do, well, back off and try again. Patience, showing tolerance, and so on and so forth. Uh, does that make sense? Does that make sense? So this is, this is unity, and it, it, it is a unity of something. It's not our responsibility per se. It doesn't flow from us. The unity of the Spirit already exists. If we'll wake up to it, we'll find brothers and sisters everywhere. And we'll find some peace about it. Uh, okay, now, John is uh, one of the ones, if you noticed or paying attention earlier, it's one of the ones where it isn't really using the word unity. But I didn't want to... First of all, I don't want to say those other scriptures don't have good value and meaning. They do. Just let's read them right. This one, it, it doesn't really say unity either. And here's, here's how it goes. Both, uh, unfortunately on this one, in my estimation for tonight's message, uh, both Valeria and the, the New American Standard do the same thing. You can see here, unidad and unity. So may be perfected in unity. The glory, this is Jesus praying Father. So, so kind of listen to it with that sort of uh, stature and reverence. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. What does that mean? It is one. What does it mean in unity? In other words, is, is unity a, a, a manifestation of the organization? of the people of God? Is it a manifestation of a community type thing? Here's what it says in the other one. The glory which you have given me, in the complete Jewish Bible, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them also, that they may be one, just as we are one. Okay? Now that's what Jesus is praying about. And so then he goes on to say, I united with them and you with me so that they may be completely one. The issue is oneness. Not an abstract unity. Now, is unity not that at all? No, of course not. And so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not suggesting we get out and have a doctrine war or a translation war of this word unity because it's only used like five or six times. But the point is, Jesus is saying, I'm with you, one. You're with me. They're with us. I want you to perfect them in this oneness. So now our goal is not just to get a, have a conference together. Our goal is not even to have a debate, because we could probably organize one of those. We could get some Reformed theology guys here, some Armenian guys here, and some weird people like us here. And we could then present our points and have red lights and green lights. I like red lights and green lights. I took it down, though. He's using it now in his studio. Bang, bang, you know. The point is not to have a debate. The point is to be able to look into someone's heart and see that spark of Christ that is in them, to look on them and realize they're, they have the same flesh that the Holy Spirit was poured out on that it was poured out on my flesh. Bless God for both of us. We need it. You see what I'm saying? It's a different thing. And, and, and if we'll think rightly about this little word that has big implications, but unfortunately I think most of the time it's thought more as 
a community consensus building kind of idea or uniformity and control, like you said, Nolan, than it is really about what it means, which is you and I are brothers and we don't know it and we got to work on figuring it out. That's good. We're family and I'm tempted to shut you out somehow like we're not. And we're not family. We're, we're family because we carry the same life, the same light, the same blood. So here's one of them. My favorite ones here is, is uh, in David Bentley Hart's translation. And I have given them the glory you have given me, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they might be brought to completion in one. So see, here, this, this gets detailed now. Our completion isn't a result of us having a string of meetings and conferences and citywide prayer meetings. I like those things, but that's not unity. And, and if we allow ourselves to settle for that as a definition of unity, we could have those until the cows come home and never break open the doorway to my heart for another person to join me. Never work, do the difficult work of looking in their eyes and their heart and understanding. Anyway, but this drives it in there, that we could be brought to completion in one. That one is Jesus, and he's got his arms around the people out there, just like he has his arms around us. So so that the cosmos, and this is another one I love. I hate it when people translate uh, cosmos world. The Greek word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos means everything. So now this rendition of Jesus' prayer brings Paul's revelation in Romans 8 to life because creation, the whole of the cosmos, is waiting for the glory of the sons of God to be revealed. Not just a denomination or a church movement to show up, even if it's just a, a even a pure. It's the whole thing. It's everything that Jesus came to redeem. See what I'm saying? It's beautiful. And so that the cosmos might know that you sent me forth and loved them just as you loved me. Now, let me tell you something else. If your view of union is like mine used to be, where it was really about us doing things together and being nice to one another, it's, it, 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 it doesn't add anything to my ability to believe that God actually loves me the way he loves Jesus. But if I realize that the whole of everything that Jesus came for was this issue of one, and that that is the arena in which I'm loved, now all of a sudden it makes sense to my little pea brain, you do love me the way you love Jesus. And once that settles in your heart, you're wrecked forever. Gil. So I just wanted to add to what you were saying earlier that uh, you know, for us to walk in unity with all the diversity, mm-hmm. We really, all of us have to watch how we speak because I can't tell you how many shows I've had where, you know, I love have, having conversations and being able to bring up topics which even are considered taboo and have somebody that can have a discussion about it without all the, the walls going up and the defenses coming out. And we really don't even recognize how often our language shuts other people down. Absolutely. Because we put it in terms of, well, this is the way it really is. Uh, I've had conversations with people completely outside of the Christian faith where we've been able to have great conversations where we just share. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what you think. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see it this way. And it looks, you know, we get to share from our hearts mm-hmm. because you can tell that love is there. 
And, and yet sometimes Christians are, the, are some of the, 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 the ones that have the most difficult time letting go because we get our identity mixed up with our belief that yeah. we were given by somebody else. Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. We get our identity mixed up with our belief. We think that there is a uniformity issue. Yes. We, okay, cool. We think there is a uniformity issue that, 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 um, validates our right standing, our righteousness. But it's not. It's the work of Jesus. Yeah, who's got a question? Jim. Yes, can you hear me? I sure can. Yeah, yeah. The thing I was thinking is if you put this in musical terms, uh, unity, everybody's singing the same notes. And that's, if you take that to an extreme in a church, that would be a cult. Harmony is when everybody's different, singing different notes, but they blend together to help dissonance would be when everybody's singing different notes that don't blend together, which would be an unhealthy church. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but thought I'd throw that in. You start, like, if I was to, I can play a little bit, very little, but if you don't know anything, you are going to produce dissonance. Dissonance is, is not something you want long term. Matter of fact, dissonance can be a testimony that, hey, I should probably listen to a few people around me. But I don't think we need to be afraid of distance. I, I certainly wouldn't want to embody it. I agree, Jim. I wouldn't want to embody it as a church culture. Uh, eventually, you're going to want to see harmony, but not only melody. Not only melody. And so this is the thing that you, this is one of those things we've got to grow in. The ability, okay, so let's say we're, we're, uh, among the people we circulate with and do on that, we're, we're getting into this, and we can understand, okay, it's harmony. It doesn't have to sound exactly like the note I'm singing. And then let somebody comes in with just a huge clunker. I'm not saying that everything is equally valuable. I'm not saying that everything is equally true. As a matter of fact, it isn't. There's false things. There's things that aren't right. But to all just go, uh, 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 to make sure that we create a system where we can't be wrong... <laughs> That's stupid. We've done that a lot in, uh, you know, we've done it in areas of spiritual warfare where, oh gosh, you know, if, if, if I do that or say that or try that, the devil will have a foothold or anything. The devil lost his foothold, I think, when Jesus loved not his life and gave it up in his blood. And Revelation talks about that we loved not our lives unto death. So I'm not trying to make light of that. But what I'm saying is I'm not going to give him a whole lot of power that with one slip of my tongue, He's got a big foothold on me. No, not if I repent. Maybe not even if I don't repent, quite honestly, because he's under the foot of the one who came, you know, out of the grave. And so there is going to be dissonance. Let's learn to hear it and not be afraid of it. So how do you respond when somebody comes into the group with a dissonant voice? Well, of course, you shut them out. You put them outside. No, there is no outside. (laughs) You can't do that. You have to work at it. You have to value the relationship. The way I like to do it, and I'm getting better at it, is I like to say, Father, I don't trust how I see this. This person, can you show me how you do? And what I find sometimes is even they, or not sometimes, a lot of times, Not only do I not see them the way they are, they don't see themselves the way they are. 
And if I, if they can't see themselves, they need somebody like you and me that's willing to go to the Father and say, show me how they look. And then you tell them. And then they go, that's stupid. I'm nothing like that. Yeah? Well, you are like this. This is how God sees you. This is what His created value is in you. And then after a couple of times, they might go, well, I like talking to you. You're stupid, but it sounds good. <laughs> and then if you can get beyond that, then maybe, who knows, revelation will come. Because keep in mind, the Holy Spirit's here to reveal the truth. He's here to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, he, he's here to do so because of his eye fixed on Jesus, of Jesus being with the Father. We are all governed by the new covenant. I'm going to make that a positive statement until somebody proves me wrong. We, every human in the planet, lives under the new covenant. And the criteria of the new covenant is when you come to God, he receives your, he greets your transgressions with mercy and he remembers your sins no more. So if we can eliminate recounting one another's sins from the conversation, we have a lot of time to talk about other stuff. Like maybe what God thinks of you that you might not know yet. Make sense? That's a good point, Jim. I just don't want us to be afraid of distance. I know that's not what you're saying. So. Unity is more than believers coming together to worship or share an event. Unity is humbling ourselves and recognizing that we are already one in Christ Jesus. And it is a humility situation. And that we're working to preserve and display the unity already in the Spirit. That one word was beautiful. It meant like guard, or not so much guard like you lock something up, you know, where it says uh, to guard the unity of the Spirit or to preserve or keep the unity of the Spirit. It's like a person who takes a turn as a watchman on the wall. You keep an eye out for that. Watch over it. Watch over the unity that's already there. And so just think about some people that you have conflict with in church. Vicki and I can think of some family members that we do occasionally. Just stuff, you know. There's a unity there. And to him uh, who... Um, to him who much is given, much is required. So if you have a friend in church who doesn't know that, that the two of you already have a unity of the Spirit, and you know it and they don't, you have the responsibility to act like it and think like it and pray like it. They'll come around. So working to preserve and display the unity that's already there uh, by actively loving one another, and creating and submitting to someone, or somehow tying ourselves together. That's what it means. Uh, it means that it's the perfect bond of unity. Let me back up just real quick to some verses. I'll show you where these come from. Uh, where is it? Is it here? Yeah, the bond of unity. Uh, or that, that, that the word bond is, is called a joint, the Greek definition of it is a joint tie. It's like something that ties a joint together. So you get a couple of boards, the thing that ties those boards together and lets you use them like a lever is what that bond means. Which, yeah, which binds everything together. It's like tying, tying something together. Uh, so the point that I want to close on is this one. Let's enjoy the reality of our union. Let's cultivate the ability to do that. It's easy to do with people that, that are like you and think like you and talk like you. However, 
it's easy to lose sight of the fact that the togetherness is not the the, the similarity is not the union. That's just an, a fortunate fellowship. The union is in Christ. It's in the heart of the Father, expressed through the work of the Son, manifest by the outward Spirit on all flesh. And and the world needs, if we're going to transition from time to time, age to age, season to season, it needs people who know this to live like it. So that the people who don't know it don't know it can can come under the influence of that love and that patience. Um, we're already one in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any other questions? We got we're ready to go, but if you have a compelling question, there's a mic. Microphone? It's an awesome teaching that we all definitely all need it. So powerful. Amen. Just wanted to uh, share that um, division might sound comfortable in some situations, especially when we find ourselves in situations that we're not comfortable with, you know, some personalities. But the Bible established that those that occupy themselves on the life of the Spirit will have the peace. So the visions definitely will not bring us peace. Even sometimes looks like it's comfortable. It's a defensive mechanism, but it's not peaceful. It's not life, you know. So for those that will already uh, make or clear decision of manifest the glory of the Father, to respond to the Father is calling us to do, uh, what we need to do definitely is taking care of our hearts. Um, I have an experience where um, I, the, the beginning that I started doing so many court cases, uh, more, most of the accusations I, ha- I, I hear, it was division, 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 division. So then one day God took me to the garden of my heart to, to work on my heart. And I saw a huge, a huge, ugly root of division in my heart. And it was so deep. It was the consequences of me always judge and, and manage the things by eating from the tree of good and evil. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't think this is good. I leave, you know, because this is human, human reaction. This is fallen nature. We tend to divide with things that we don't like. Let's just cut it. It's better. You know, it's healthy. But it's not life. So then God took me, and Jesus came with me, and we bought, I decided I don't want that root on me. So we we pulled it out, and it was so deep. I remember when he showed me that. Right in that moment, I feel my heart. If It was broken. It was so broken because it was so many people that I, that I have a destiny with, but then it was division in between us. Then, you know, Jesus gave me a seed. It was beautiful, beautiful seed. And it was the seed of unanime. Uh, in Spanish, we have this word unanime that means to gather in the same heart. Mm. We have an uni- unity, but we have unanime. And unanime is solid, firm, strong, and together. So he gave me this seed of una- the unanime, and it was so beautiful. So we went and we planted in, the, in, in my land, and it grew and it grew and it became like a tree. 
and this tree star became a part of me. He, he, he actually came and, you know, my, my physical body. And it really, my mind changed. My Praise heart God. changed. Now, I don't care if I don't feel comfortable. I, I have my decision of be united with, with, with the people. You know, it changed my mind completely. Right now, even people that are not believers, I already see part of my own body. Sure. I already see part of myself. Yeah. So I just like to share that. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know one thing Baxter Kruger says uh, about, <clears throat> you know, what, what is Jesus asking of us? He's saying to stand up and uh, agree with me. Agree with me about who the Father is instead of who you think he is or you're told he is. Agree with me about who you are in the eyes of the Father and agree with me about who everybody else is in the eyes of the Father as well. That's a, that's a great step. And sometimes it does take that spiritual hard work, doesn't it? I mean, you have to get with the Lord and get it done. Well, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, uh, help us to, when we talk about unity, when we think about unity, help us see it as that which is rooted in the one. Help us not see it, Lord, as a work that we need to try to do by, by pulling people together. And, and Lord, as good as all that fun stuff is, we got a couple conferences that are going on. That's amazing. But, but the unity is, is not done by the conference. It's done out in the foyer of the conference when you're standing there looking at somebody who you could have a potential disagreement with and just blow off, dismiss. And instead you reach out to try to connect heart to heart, spirit to spirit. So Lord, uh, let, let us, let us keep the, the unity that we seek, the possession of the spirit and the possession of the faith that you've given us. Let us not make it our own or make it just some sort of worldly government thing. Let us let it belong to you and let the benefit of it be reaped by the oneness that it creates in us with one another. Help us to grow in our ability to do this. Help us to look carefully at the scripture, especially on important topics like this that have so few references. Help us look and understand what we're really looking at, what we're really saying, and what you're really doing. So I just thank you. Thank you for everybody here this evening. Uh, bless them on the way home, Lord. Bless them for being here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God, you guys. That was a lot of fun.